Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everybody Relax Podcast, facilitated by your boy, licensed clinical social worker Trey, and neighborhood therapist. Hope that your week has been well. Um, have a special guest for one of my, the more than my credential series, which is going to be um, a little bit different, deviated from the norm, where I have my clinicians on and talking with social workers, psychologists, things like that. But now I get the pleasure and opportunity to introduce to you my pastor. I'm going to interview him this time on our episode. And so it is uh, Reverend Pastor uh, Dwayne T. Field Sr. here on Everybody Relax Podcast. What's going on, sir? How are you? Hey, Trey, doing good. Good to be here. Good, good, good. This has been years in the making. Realistically, we supposed to do an interview a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's a couple of times I faked most of the time because I was just like, oh, man, that's going to be it's going to be a powerful episode. That's going to be some stuff going on, how to remove it. But now we are here today. So tell the world if they don't already know you because you're you know, a pretty popular guy here. Um, <laughs> who, who, who are you? Who you are, what you do, where you're from, what you what you got going on? Well, uh, I don't know how popular I am. Probably good, bad, and indifferent. But, um, as Trey said, my name is uh, Dwayne Fields. I serve as the pastor of Oxford Mount Zion Baptist Church in Ruther Glen and honored and esteemed to be Trey's pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey is actually a deacon at our church and he and his wonderful wife, Nisi. And, and so, um, that's who I am, man. I'm, I'm the son of, uh, pastor Marvin Fields and Joyce Fields and, uh, been in ministry pretty much, uh, all my life from, you know, one, one perspective to another, um, as a PK and mm. now as a pastor. So, um, been pastoring now for 21 years. Wow, I've uh, been in wow. ministry for twenty three years, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's it's uh, been quite a journey. Yeah, quite a journey, but uh, it's been a good journey. Good, 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 good. Now you're all the way down here in Virginia by way of New York, and we always have conversation me and Pastor about um these football teams, these basketball teams. Of course, some of my listeners might love that you're a Duke Blue Devils fan. Um, Hopefully, and, all your listeners. Oh no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, see, see, here we go. Um, so we have that rivalry between UNC and Duke with him. He's also a New York Jets fan, all New York sports, and so we have that conversation too. And, you know, sometimes I think he's a Brooklyn Nets fan, but then he wants to, you know, travel on to somebody else. Next thing I heard you say, Kansas City Chiefs at one time. Like, oh, you went there. <laughs> oh, you went there. <laughs> so this is the podcast. This is this is what we do on this podcast to talk about that. But um, so you found your way down in Virginia. Tell, can you tell us like a little bit about that story about like how you? came from New York and down here and what got you in the ministry? Well, uh, to be honest with you, um, my father originates from this area. Mm-hmm. He's actually the pastor of the church he was born in. Mm-hmm. Um, and my great, great, great grandfather actually started that church, Reverend Henry Stevens. Okay. Um, and so my mom originates from Lawrenceville, the Dolphin area in Brunswick County. Um, and, you know, they happened to meet both of them living in New York. Mm-hmm. Grew up there. My father moved there when he was, I think, seven and my mom moved there when she was three uh, in Brooklyn, and they just happened to meet one day on a bus, and, you know, the rest is history. And mm-hmm. so I, I was born in Queens, mm-hmm. uh, New York, and uh, later on moved out to, to a place called Chill City, Uniondale, okay. um, home of Buster Rhymes. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> I got to throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and quite a few other celebrities, Dr. Rich Watson and a few others. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I had, you know, young um inquisitive young man and I, I decided that you know I was wanted to to find out how life was outside of home and church yeah. and that type of thing man and started going in the wrong direction um mm-hmm. you know affiliated with gangs and and you know 
dabbled in things I shouldn't and things mm-hmm. like that. And so um, my junior year of high school, uh, my father said that it's just, you know, we're going to get you out of here. We're going back home to Virginia uh, where he's from. And of course, I fought him on that. Yeah, you know, I course. mean, man, I, I loved New York. I, you know, um, it, it was the the greatest place to grow up and I honestly feel that way man and so um of course I, I fussed and I fought and I kicked back and and that type of thing but you know we wound up moving down to Virginia right and, and so um you know kind of you know live life or whatever and um I'm not sure how deep you want me to get into you know my calling and pastoring but um you know I, I kind of went through some some personal struggles and battles Mm -hmm. um, dealt with depression, which I'm sure we'll probably address sometime today. Right. Um, Dealt with depression um, and, you know, had some, some family issues and sickness and things of that nature. My mom and, and, um, you know, they diagnosed my mom with stage, stage four, stage three breast cancer and went to stage four. Mm-hmm. And um, they had literally given her two weeks to live. She had a collapsed lung and just a lot happened. She was only able to receive two chemotherapy treatments and uh, I think one radiation treatment um, before her lung collapsed and she was no longer able. And so yeah. she was in a coma and they gave her two weeks to live. And anybody know me, I'm a mama's boy. Right. I love yeah. my dad, yeah. but I'm a mama's boy um, all day. Mm-hmm. And as old as I am, I'm still a mama's boy. Right. I call my mother every day. And and my wife is probably over there smiling now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She'll say, well, you call your mama yet? Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, you know, mama's boy and, and uh, you know, kind of where my depression piece started for me. Um, well, I guess where it kind of hit full-fledged, um, they gave us her two weeks to live. And so we were in the doctor's office along with my dad and my sister at the time was too young. We didn't, you know, want to include her in, in that conversation. She was about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I basically went home. They talked about putting her in hospice and, you know, that type of thing. And this was back in 1996. Okay. Um, it was so bad, Trey, that, you know, you know, my son, Dwayne Jr., and his grandma, you know, thick as thieves. Right. And so right. um, my mother didn't even recognize him. He just cried, you know, that type of thing. It was just a rough moment for us. And so I remember, um, you know, getting ready to, to kill myself. I put a gun to my head and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Because I'm a very, uh, I come from a very spiritual family, religious family. Um, I picked up the phone to call my grandmother who lived next door. Yeah. And, and, and she's an MSW. So, right, that's right, that's right, right. Right. So my grandmother said, I don't know what's going on. I never told her what I was going to do. But I, my grandmother said, whatever, you do, whatever you're going through, Dwayne, just open up the Bible. And I turned to the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. And we all know the story, the Sunday school story about Jonah and the whale, Jonah the fish, the whale, you know. Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, in that moment, um, you know, that I was getting ready to end my life, you know, uh, I didn't want to live anymore without my mom. And so um, I never forget, I kind of submitted my life to God in that moment. And mm-hmm. and Trey, I, I promise you, it, the five minutes later, it wasn't five minutes, the phone rang at the house and it was my mom mm-hmm. who had been in a coma mm-hmm. for two weeks, wow. only had two weeks to live. Yeah, and she said to me, "Dwayne, it's me," and I'm just startled to hear yeah. her voice, particularly clear. Right, and uh, she said, well, um, "I need you to come pick me up from the hospital." And my response to her was, yeah. "No, nah, not to die. Right, you know, I don't want you to die here, mom." And um, because you know the plan was hospice bringing her, right? In. And and so anyway, she said, "You don't understand." She said, "The the doctors uh, did a CT scan on me, and they can't find any more cancer." Mm. That was in 1996, and so. Um, 
here we are, 2021. My mom still has medical challenges, yeah. but thank God she's alive. You know, still moving, and t- still yeah, moving yeah, and yeah, kicking, kicking, and still yeah. as pretty as ever. And so, um, you know, that's kind of my call to ministry. How I got to Oxford was rather unique. Uh, I did a funeral there um, for a young lady who who um, was tragically killed in, in a car accident, um, and um, I never forget. It was one of the senior ladies there who went on to be with the Lord. Now, one of our Deaconess named Miss Wingfield. Mm-hmm. And she, after I preached that eulogy, she said to me, you're going to be the pastor here. Mm. And I, mind you, I've been preaching may, maybe for three months. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so this is really soon. Yeah. And, uh, okay. you know, next thing I know, you know, the, the church invited me to come in. And um, in December of 1999, mm-hmm. um, I was asked uh, to do a month. Mm-hmm. And... Um, January of 2000, um, I was uh, voted on to be the pastor elect and officially became pastor the fourth Sunday yeah. in October of 2000. So wow. um, I look young. I get it. <laughs> I wish, right? It's great here. Yeah, something's great because of you. Yeah. Only on the right side. It's only on the right side. <laughs> only on the right side. But you know, I don't. I don't think I never put put the two pieces together. I don't. I think that the cor- the foundation and cornerstone of you actually going into ministry was mental health related. Absolutely. I, I never put that two 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 together to today to understand that. And you know, of course, it does take a lot of energy and, and a lot of stress to pastor me and my <laughs> wife, of course, and my and my, my young adult ministry, of course, and then being part of the deacon yeah. deaconship as well. Um, you know, but it's 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 interesting because at that time when that was going on for you, did you understand what it was outside of the you know the thoughts about wanting to harm yourself, but like those depressive bouts, those actual um, moments of grief that you was feeling dealing with your mom. Did you know exactly what that was in those moments? No. And, and the, the, I guess the, the strange thing about that is, um, you know, I've been in church all my life. Right. You know, my father's a pastor. We had a great church in New York, Evangel. And uh, my father was the youth pastor there. had a, a tremendous youth ministry. It was unreal. Um, you know, and, and so I've been in church, you know, all my life. Mm-hmm. I was born in church, literally. Um, so Sunday and Wednesday, I was the prototype right the rest of the time you know i was in the streets it is what it is you know and um you know and and so being in the streets you you witness a lot you know um so you know i i just shared with somebody just yesterday you know i had a lot of of trauma you know that i had witnessed Mm -hmm. just just by default you know growing up and, and seeing a lot of things in 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 new york and in the streets um you know it was different. It, yeah. it was, it was different. It was, um, again, something I'm grateful for now. Right. Um, but at the time there were a lot of issues. And so I always knew God had a call on me. Right. Seriously, Trey, and it, this is a funny story, but Deacon Jones, our chairman of the board mm-hmm. of our church, his father, the late Reverend Dr. Elmore Jones, um, we used to always come down and, and, and for their revival homecoming at his church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would, he was a little in stature, but he was a powerful preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, could sing, play the piano. He was just awesome. But he would actually preach. And the preaching, just his preaching, his style just did something for me. So I would go home and yeah. I was about seven or eight. And in New York, I would come back from Virginia and and, and in my room, I made a pulpit. Oh, snap. <laughs> Seriously. And I was preaching like he was preaching, yeah. you know, with the whole hooping, the hooping like you that. know, yeah, that type yeah, of yeah. thing. And so, um, you know, I was... Um, 
in, in our fellowship, I was the, the state champion, uh, run up, I should say, first year uh, in Bible trivia and Bible mm-hmm. knowledge. And the second year, I wound up winning uh, for the state of New York. And, and uh, so I, I always was engaged in church. I always read the Bible, I always believed the Bible from beginning to end. Um, and, and that's just how I feel and how I believe. Um, but as far as being, you know, knowing, no, I didn't know. I, mm-hmm. I knew God was doing something with me. I, I knew, um, you know, that I had a, a, a relationship with him, even though, you know, I didn't probably act like it most of the time, right. um, outside of church, but it was trauma and grief that, that probably got me to where I am today. If there was something that I could probably pinpoint, it, it was probably that it, mm-hmm. it was in that moment where, Again, I'm ready to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. submit my life to God, and I remember clearly saying, Trey, on the on the, in in my bedroom downstairs, I remember clearly saying, "Okay, God, I'm all yours." Mm-hmm. Those are the words I said. I'm always I'm crying. I'm just spare my mom. If you do this for me, I promise you. And I heard the Lord say to me, and it's written out in a book called Radiance, Father But Ruby's is our story, my, well, my mom's story, and they added that piece for me. Mm-hmm. But I remember God saying to me. Your mother's cancer has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. 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 And Trey, I remember him. I had never heard God speak before. Right. But I heard his voice then. And it, it wasn't my voice. It was his voice. Yeah. And when I submitted in that moment, you know, that's when the phone rang. You know, so now I'm scared to death because I'm like, yeah. okay, God, yeah. you know, yeah. now you're playing games with me, right. you know. Um, but, but it, it was grief. It, it, it was mental health, mental concerns, um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I think every pastor, in my opinion, particularly a pastor who's vested in community, yeah, um, particularly in the times we're living in, how can we not suffer with mental issues? <laughs> how yeah. can we not? Yeah, and I think with, with, with how relational you are, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always likened, like, you know, we think about, like, pastors and suicide and the stress and burnout in the, in the church, especially in the black church where we don't kind of have those conversations around mental health, don't have those conversations around suicide. Um, and in your moment, like, you know, there was times where you had that despair and you felt that way, but you still called on the name of Jesus and you talked to God about it. Didn't necessarily say you didn't go get therapy either. It was both. And I saw, but they're so stigmatized and it's always like, well, go pray about it. Go, just go pray about it. And yes, you're right. Go pray about it. But there's also the other piece of that, the ongoing therapy and stuff like that. So when that happened and you did what you did, you, you, you had that happened. Mom came back. She was well, you pursued ministry, things like that. Um, in relation to like, as you go forward and matriculation of the ministry piece, getting to Oxford, how were you able to deal with the stresses going on as you transition? Because you went through multiple transitions at that point. There was a point where your mom was, you know, pretty much, you know, on her deathbed and then she recovered. Now she's living. And then you guys transition again. You move down here, you know, for a new, and come down here, you know, as he would say, probably top five point guard in Caroline, you know, say top three, top three. OK, <laughs> top three. Um, You know, you play basketball, things like nature. And then you transition to ministry, take on his role as the pastor. So in a short period of time, maybe three years, you had multiple transitions where you didn't have your footing per se. How did you manage that? Knowing what you went through mental health wise and what was in store for you going forward. I was no, that's kind of roundabout, but I was trying no, to get there. 
I'm not sure if I managed to be honest with you. Okay. I, I I think for me things were happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. It really didn't give me time to to digest and uh, didn't give me time to really assess what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things happened quick and um, but but I'm also you know I'm gonna answer that question. But you talked about stigma first. Um, you, you and I have had multiple conversations. That's a big concern for me in, in the black church. It, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, you know. And again, I, I don't want to speak of other churches. One of the things in our church we had to get through was, you know, it's fine to to, to pray for people. It's fine to, to intercede. It's fine to lay hands, all that. But sometimes you need prayer and a therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think the, the black church, well, let's say churches that I'm, I'm a fellow, I don't want to call all churches, but, right. you know, we had to get through that. Yeah. You know, because people would come in and, and literally have, you know, mental breakdowns. Yeah, and we just trying to shout them out, and and trying to, you know, tell them that you're too anointed to be like this, and you know, mm-hmm. these these are the things that has caused that stigma. But but if you look at the life of Christ, even even in his his you know miracle miracle moments, there were people who came to him with with physical issues. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus wasn't just a doctor because his response to them was, "I'm just not going to fix your hand." Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to fix your sight or, or your ears. I'm not going to just fix that. But but I want you to be whole. Yeah. So at that point, Jesus, because he didn't just heal. He, you know, he said, I want you to be whole, which is the whole person. The whole the complete, person. Um, restoration. So Jesus was more than just somebody who, who put ears back on and more than just, you know, somebody who, who took spit and dirt and made people see. Mm-hmm. He was a therapist. Mm. Mm. He was a desperate. You know, he he didn't just say, you know, look at the woman with the issue of blood. You know, G- Jesus looked at her and, and told her, your, your faith has made you help. help now, now go in peace. Mm-hmm. Again, her life was chaotic for 12 years. Right. Jesus didn't say, just go heal. Go in peace. Go in peace. You yeah. know, and which, which again speaks to mental issues, mental concerns. Yeah. Because think about it. Her yeah. issue was for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for 12 years, she yeah. dealt with this. And according to the law, she couldn't be around family. She couldn't be around friends. It's chaotic, it's stressful. That's stress. Environmental. Yeah. And Jesus says, go in peace. I never had it. You know, so yeah. we have to, to understand that Jesus was more than just 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 this this phenomenon, this supernatural person who just fixed issues we can see. Mm. But Jesus mm-hmm. dealt with issues that we can't see. Right. They came with what's what what's happening to me externally. Right. And Jesus said, well, before I fix that, let me fix what's happening on the inside. So the church has to do a better job. And I think churches should have resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm probably getting way off now, but that's how I feel. I tell you, I've been telling you that for the longest time. You know, anybody I got an issue, I send them to you, you know, <laughs> yeah. whether you do or not. Yeah. Hey, you know, you got to get with Trey, you yeah, know, right. because it's important for us. Look, right. look at what we deal with, man. You know, George Floyd. Yeah, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor. This is stuff that we deal with on the regular. Every day I get inboxes about police brutes every day yeah and every i was day. i was i was really going i was going to the other side of that as like when you are as you the pastor where you are seen as the reverend of this church and everybody calls on you for these things these energies just like much as uh with therapists where we take on that pain that struggle that strife and it sometimes it mingles with the stuff that we're dealing with personally and it's hard to shake you know, and it's hard to let off. And I know it's the spiritual battle there, the spiritual warfare that goes on in the mix of that. But, you know, I imagine 
And I, I think about this all the time. Like everything that goes on in the county, how many people are calling you every single day, hour after the hour, and then people for the mental aspect, from the substance abuse aspect, from the community aspect, from school aspect, from spiritual, all these different things because of this title. And this title that you have is is it, it holds a lot of weight, but it kind of separates you from the person, the Dwayne, that person who see something. I think sometimes people see you as a deity and not a human being. You know, which is a tragedy. Yeah, which is a tragedy, of course. But I feel like there's that, there's that respect and that commandment of pastors that they can do all of this because they are the shepherd of the, of the flock and they're supposed to be managing all this. And they have the anointing to do this, that, and the third. But it's like, like you said, like biblically sound. There's stuff that they, you know, they deal with that's not seen. You know, and so that that gives me to that goes back to that point where it's just like. All the stuff that you see now, you're talking about this, the traumas that you see in the streets, but also the traumas that you hear from people, you know, <laughs> and, and the traumas that you deal with, you deal with personally and, and co-mingling that. But I think there's like this thought that, you know, well, oh, he's a pastor, so he's, he should be he's anointed. He can shake that off. And I don't think that's fair to pastors, but also I don't think that's fair to, you know, church leaders. Well, but but could that go back to what I said? is we've been conditioned to say, just pray about it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course that, that leads back to, to the pastor, to the leaders. Right. You know, right. when, when in reality we, we have somehow, um, disintegrated the whole humanity piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a human being. Right. And, and I think what people need to understand is what you go through is the same thing I go through. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the same emotions you have when you watch these things on, television and get these videos and stuff of happening. I deal with it the same way. You know, yeah. I, I got to pray the same way you got to pray. I got to, you know, manage my emotions the same way. And mm-hmm. it's difficult mm-hmm. because here it is behind closed doors. You know, I can cuss and fuss. Right. I don't thank God, but yeah. behind closed doors, I can, you know, I can, you know, punch holes in the walls behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Let your guard down, let your hair down. Yeah. You can, but, when you walk out the door, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, again, you, you have to adhere to that title mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it can be frustrating, but again, this is why the church has to do a better job of implementing a mental health and a mental management program in, in these churches mm-hmm. so that folk can understand that it, it ain't just y'all. You mentioned earlier, look how many pastors are committing suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. look how many pastors. And I'm not going to tell you, and you and I've had this conversation that there are there are moments in ministry daily. I, you know, I ask God, why? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what? You know, I'm, I feel unfulfilled. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not what I was taught. Right. I don't remember the the pastors of old being stressed out. Yeah. Or were they? Well, were they? And they never said. That's my point. I, I never mentioned them saying. Yeah. I, you know, again, so it takes the humanity away. Right. You know, we're not human in some people's eyes. There is an equation of the deity, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I put one pant leg on the time as you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my jumper's just better than yours. Oh, let's see. There you go. Your jumper might be better. I give you that, but <laughs> overall game here, you know. <laughs> but you know, I, I it's it's and. And see, I, I, I didn't even get into the, like how I came about to come to the church, but I think mm-hmm. 
just that joke in itself, like, is one of the reasons what brought me to the church is because of your humanistic piece mm-hmm. of it, of being real. Like, hey, listen, this is this Christian walk. This, this is faith. You know what I'm saying? There are going to be struggles. I had my struggles. Um, but just that 100, 100% authenticity of you in the pulpit and your preaching style and your relation that you built with us, built with me over time to have these type of conversations like every pastor couldn't sit inside here and have these type of conversations and be open and honest about the struggles just as much as we have built in this kind of um we've removed the humanity piece of it of our leaders that has somehow been ingrained now into some of our pastors which they struggle with saying anything because of the weight and the role that they carry in the church as pastors and shepherds of the church and perception and perception Mm -hmm. you know so when when you've been seeing this and you've you've talked about candidly in a couple of sermons um in the past couple of years about your most recent bouts with depression mm-hmm. you know how have you been able to cope and manage through that and what would you tell pastors or uh, church leaders that may be suffering but is scared to you know say anything or scared to reach out and get help what would you say to them how to manage and get through that well because I'm a pastor guy that's yes I'm exactly but but Trey, Trey has been so instrumental, you know, in my life. And, and Trey, you have. Um, a few years ago, when you know I kind of went through that, I had this 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 lull in the moment, and yeah. it, it kind of went into depression. You know, you advised me then, mm-hmm. Pastor, you get a therapist, you need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you weren't licensed. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you know, um, I did that, and. I'm telling you, Trey, it, it has made a world of a difference for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I can sit down and talk to my therapist and now I have another therapist because we're virtual in New York. Oh, good. good. In New York, I have a, a therapist that I, I talk to in New York. And, and uh, you know what's crazy? Um, not even a practicing Christian. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it's... It's interesting. Um, okay. You know, well, let me take that back. A Christian, but, you know, kind of um, ascribes a few different ideals than I do. Okay. Um, okay. That that are not doctrinal ideas, just kind of right. some superficial ideas. Um, you know, and we don't talk about spirituality mm. at all. I just am able to say how I feel. Yeah. Um, there are no restrictions. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm able to to put it all out there, and it's made a world of difference. Right, it it really has, man. And just talking about it, yeah. You know, I, I remember uh, you you gave a few of them at the church, and you talked about you know um, relaxation ideas. Mm-hmm. So you don't understand. I literally every day mm-hmm. go to um, Cayman Islands. Oh, the um, seriously go to special. Yes, okay. I take yeah. that trip every day. Yeah. Every day, in the morning when I wake up, mm-hmm. and every day at night, I go to the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. I close my eyes, and I think about the white sandy beaches. Mm-hmm. And I've only visited Cay- um, Tur- um, Grand Cayman Islands one time, but that's <laughs> yeah. my favorite island. You know? Right, right. And uh, we were actually planning on going back, my wife and I, and um, I fell so in love with it. But see, things like that helped me, mm-hmm. you know, even in this moment. And so, you know, I'm not ashamed to say... I'm a pastor. I love God. I love the church. I believe in Jesus. I believe God is, is omnipresent, omniscient, omnisapient, everything. Mm-hmm. And I suffer with depression. 
Mm. I'm mm. saved and sanctified, and I got issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I think we all do, right? To some extent, yeah. Especially with the way the world is right now and what's going on. Especially being black in this world. Exactly. And then that's a whole different beast. A whole different piece. And it was one of those things where I talked about with some some folks where I felt as though in those spaces where we are asked to have those conversations around, you know, race and social justice and, you know, speak about how our feelings are. It's like we can leave those spaces and have those conversations, but then we still got to leave and still black. We still wake up black. We still deal with that. And it's that ongoing pressure ongoing you know depression it can be at times because the weight of the world is always there for us we always know that we live in a different world and so we hold i was talking to a clinician we hold pain and pain and anger and strife from others differently than anybody else we can we're able to pinpoint you know uh, those struggles easier than anybody else but on the back side of that there's sometimes it's a lot more difficult to remove yourself from it, you know, spiritually, spiritually, but also even just personally, because it's so heavy and it mirrors what you may have went through, you know? And so I, 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 that, that didn't impact, even though when I got, you know, got, got become a therapist and I tell people all the time, like the work that I do as a mental health therapist, um, as a licensed clinical social worker is spiritual in nature. Because there's no way, no way that I'm supposed to be doing this work, working with individuals without some type of spiritual background. But in and of that, it's taxing. You know, it's taxing. And I can only imagine from the, the pastor pastoral leadership aspect how taxing that can be. And then succumbing to pretty much those thoughts and feelings that you have and just saying, like, you know what I'm saying, this isn't it. This isn't it. And so I'm wondering, you know, after hopefully after we've had this conversation, we put this episode out that it will help take give folks the steps to establish that mental health leadership in your in your congregations. Um, it's paramount, paramount. Um, have those open dialogue and discussions with your leadership or with your members. Um, and it's paramount. Hopefully that can set folks free. Absolutely. As speaking, going back to the point that you talk about. Uh, with Jesus, he healed the whole person, and I never really conceptualized that. And in, in, in the thought of him being a healer, and well, he, also him being a healer, but from a therapist perspective, healing the whole person. Because in those physical limitations that those folks had, there had to be mental strife attached to that. You know, there had to be stress, depressive symptoms attached to that. You know, in order to reach out and say, "I need help." much like you did with your ministry and, and starting that. So um, that's paramount. Do you feel like um, with the pandemic, has that shifted your way on how you manage your uh, mental health now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because now you have to have to even more put more self-care in. Yeah. And, and, and um, you know, exercise Yeah, is paramount for me. You know that, um, you know, that type of thing. And so, you know, I've reached out to a counselor. I'm, I'm going to exercise. Um, and my wife has made me, and actually y'all have made me, Take yes. a week off a, a month. Mm-hmm. So at least one month out of a, a, a one week out of a month, I should say, y'all make me leave church. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm there on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, 
I don't know if y'all changed the locks or not. <laughs> I tried to get my office yesterday and I struggled with the key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. that they changed the locks. But 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 again, this has a lot to do with you. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing this mental health, you know, concept to the church and 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 you know this 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 wonderful, um, you know, program you've brought to the church. Um, but but I still this pandemic I, I still fail you know it's, yeah uh, I'm gonna tell you and this is a, a true story just last week Trey um, give you a prime example of 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 you know how this pandemic has really altered my thinking so I'm, I'm at a stop sign I mean I'm I'm coming out and I'm going to a store and um, you know when I tried to make into one of the turning lanes I see this car speeding up on me mm-hmm. literally like it was going to fishbone me. And so I rushed over to get in the lane and this guy stops, puts his you know middle finger up at me and said an ex- exp- expletive and used the N-word mm-hmm. at me just last week. Mm. That had never happened to me before. Mm. Instinctively, I'm at the stoplight yeah. making, trying to make a left. Instinctively, <laughs> I got yeah. out that lane yeah. and went behind him. Right. Instinctively, you know. And, and um, I was on the phone with, with Jason Parker, Minister Parker at our church. And he was like, man, what what, what just happened? Yeah. I said, man, I'll call you back. Because <laughs> you know, at this point, <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, you know, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You, know, and, you know, so I'm following this guy. And I FaceTime my wife. Like, yo, just stay on here because I'm, you know, when yeah. you get to this, we'll stop. You know, whatever. And anyway, she talked me down and, and, you know, and I had to repent for that and, and that type of thing. But that's the point I'm making, man. This is the, the environment we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. And this pandemic has has added to that, man. There's so many stresses out here. Um and in that moment, I just had a meltdown. Off that. Yeah. Just off I had never been called I, it had never been that blunt. Right. Mm-hmm. To me and this was last week, man. And mm-hmm. mind you, I'm coming from the gym. So I you just got finished up. benching 315 pounds. <laughs> Lord forgive me. And and you know, so, 315. Yeah, 315, okay. you know. Uh yeah, 315. That's 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 345. You probably don't know, Trey. Never been there. But that's 345 on each side, you know. And uh so I'm, you know, anyway, you know, so I'm I'm already, you know, yeah. testosterone levels high anyway from lifting and you know, but but it's moments like that, man. That I had my wife had to cut. No, well, okay, now Pastor Fields. Right. You're in a county that that most of them don't look like you, Pastor right, Fields. Right. You know, and so you, you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And then I, you know, I thought about the repercussions. You know, um, but but just in that moment, that quickly. Yeah. You know, it so happens. so yeah, this this pandemic, man, we we're tired of being inside. Mm-hmm. Tired of not being relational. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm tired of not hugging and tired of not embracing. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 tired like everyone else is. Yeah. And, but and, I gotta navigate and galvanize. Right. Right. So in, in the rest of this pandemic, because I know we had like a lot of close losses, family, I know you have family losses mm-hmm. and, you know, church losses as well. How would one go about maneuvering and managing the church going forward now in this pandemic, but also making sure that your your church is also making taking the steps to make sure their mental health as well is what is, is good? Because, you know, it's 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 we're living in these pandemic times and is is it has shaped made everything different like you said more animosity a little bit more high anxiety uh lower threshold as far as frustration and anger and it comes out i'm glad you said that because as being a pastor some pastors wouldn't be re revealed that because of appearance mm-hmm. you know positionality and stuff like that so 
how would one go about maneuvering and managing a church in a pandemic right now, knowing that the high level of emotions is out there right now? Well, I think, well, first of all, I don't have a full answer for that, Yeah. but I, I in, in my own personal life, self-care is important. Mm-hmm. It, it really is Trey. Um, you know, and disconnecting Yeah. for, you know, you, you have to be able, uh, one of the struggles I always had was, you know, I would bring church home. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. That wasn't good. So, you know, I, you know, things like that, uh, in this moment now dealing with grief and loss. Um, unfortunately, this is just the time we're living in. Yeah. You know, I've lost a lot, you know, recently I had a serious bout with COVID myself mm-hmm. and, um, didn't think I was going to make it, um, two months ago. And, and, you know, so trying to manage that, um, is difficult. Yeah. It, it really is. And I don't really have an answer other than to say what works for me. Um, and that's self-care. Mm-hmm. That's, that's doing things I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I love playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love playing golf, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I love just sitting on the beach now. Yeah. You know, just, just getting away. And, and, uh, that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what, the framework, you know, you, y'all have laid for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and kids have, and my parents have laid for me as well is, is, you know, you got to be able to separate the two. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you in, in this pandemic, man, it's, you know, church was easy before this pandemic. Now I look back on it. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. You know, it's tough now, man, because you, you have to keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor, well, you're a leader, you know, there's the administrative side of the church that we yeah, got to yeah, deal yeah. with. And thank God y'all deal with that for me. Yeah. And I don't have to, but um, it, it's tough in this moment, man. It, mm-hmm. It's tough. And, you know, I've lost quite a few um, very close to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've eulogized some very important people mm-hmm. uh, in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough, man. And, you know, I don't know if, if the pandemic is, is, it seems like people, more people are dying or, you know, yeah. and I'm not sure if that's just because of the pandemic or, but man, it's, it's tough. And what we've seen and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, man. So, you know, obviously maintain a, and I, I will say this and I, I'll, I'll full stop on this one. We pastors have to have a prayer life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's paramount now more than ever that we, we, we commune with God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and, um, and I don't mean monologue. I mean dialogue. I mean, you know, it's fine to be deep and 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 theatric in church. That's you know whatever. Yeah. But where we are now, it's important that we dialogue with him. It's important that we he's our number one therapist. Mm-hmm. It's important that we have a place where we can put our feet up on the couch and talk to him and let him talk back to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Because the stress is 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 overwhelming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But by God's grace. Right. You know, grace and, and I say it all the time that that I'm I'm I su- I'm surviving in this moment uh, because of grace. Mm-hmm. I'm survive. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't know how Oxford's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how y'all doing what y'all do. You know, Trey pretty much runs our, our um, young adult ministry and they pretty much have taken over right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the stress you have now. Right. You know, not only you have stress of the business and. And the therapeutic side and home and, and all of that. But at your age, you, you know, have, have, have to deal with church. Yeah. And making sure it stays afloat. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if it doesn't, it's on you. Right. That's stress. Yeah. So, um, but it's important to disconnect. You disconnected a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm challenging all of my leaders to do the same. Mm-hmm. I'm challenging all of them to do the same. That, you know, just take care of you. Yeah. It sounds like um, creating those boundaries within the ministry. Because I, I talk about boundaries. New boundaries. New boundaries, yeah. yeah. And, and adapting those boundaries as you go forward. Uh, I talk about boundaries a lot with my clients and, and saying, like, you know, you have to create the boundaries within yourself, too. Protect yourself from yourself. And you. that's what I struggled with. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. That, that You hit the nail on the head. Boundaries I think that's yourself. what most pastors struggle with. Mm, okay. Is creating those boundaries for ourselves. Right. It's easy to tell folks stay away. Right. Right. It's easy right. to tell folks don't cross the line. Right. Sometimes you got to create your own lines. Do you feel like that the difficulty in doing that is because of the call and the work of ministry? Or is it just something else? You want to be honest? Yeah. It's ego Mm. for many of us. Okay. As if God really needs us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to make his church work. Mm -hmm. So we misrepresent ourselves in that role. At least I was. Yeah. Okay. I really thought God needed me. Right. And I really thought I was the one that God chose and, and it couldn't be done without me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic comes and I really realized how invaluable I was. Right. You right. know, um, that God, and, and again, I'm not sounding crass in this moment, but took a bunch of um, not so spiritual millennials. Mm-hmm. And totally change the context of the church so that we're now doing what God originally called us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's be the church. Ministry behind four walls. Beyond the walls. So, yeah, I mean, for a lot, a lot of us, if a, lot, a lot of it for me was ego. I, now now I see it. Right. I, I see it now. You right. Know? Um, so the boundary piece, I, that had to be some reboundering for me. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Setting setting those boundaries within your personal self, almost with your personal flesh, in a sense, to let the Holy Spirit kind of guide you. Ego, ego, <laughs> ego, getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, ego. Yeah, and I, I like to be honest about it. It's, you know, I I pride myself on being transparent about these moments. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what it was, man. Mm-hmm. But I've learned in this through this pandemic. Yeah, because pandemics will teach you things. Yeah, storms will teach you some stuff. Yeah. And um, it it taught me, you know, that that I'm just his vessel. I'm just his mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy, Trey, is it took this pandemic for me to say, I'm fine with that. Yeah, see, that's the other piece of the boundary is being okay with setting it and sitting with it and not, you know, moving forward through it, you know. But it worked for me because now I realize how much stress I added to my life Yeah, by trying to be everything for everybody right right it's such a good feeling now to let the phone ring and i don't answer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a good feeling to get a text message and i don't have to respond right away mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so those boundaries are important but it took this pandemic for me to get there to get there i understand you know? that you know what's interesting is um you know my old job you know we used to she one of my homegirls man she said uh she would get on us, you know, if we didn't take a mental health day. And she would, you know, we would like, we young, you're fresh out of grad school, trying to, you know, do a thing. And we, this concept of a mental health day 
if we would take it, we were like, oh, what am I supposed to happen if I take it? They're going to do this, that, and the third, or the work ain't going to get done. It is, you know. And she was like, you know, Trey, if you're here or you're not here, this work is going to get done without you. Somebody going to pick it up. Somebody going to have it done. And then it is what it is. And how humbling is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you're not that, you know, you're not, you're really not that important. And I think that piece of it, that some, but you know, we talk about ego and boundaries. They don't, you don't talk about that from a mental health perspective because we start saying, okay, well, why is your ego or pride so high in that? Is that something that you've experienced that makes you want to feel validated? Absolutely. But it's also maintaining the ego. Yeah. That I think also presents a mental health challenge Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when I don't live up to those expectations, I've said. Is I struggle my, with that. Yes, is this my calling? Is, is I supposed to be doing this? Am I doing this right? Things like that. Man, Trey, I would struggle with taking a Sunday off. Mm. Seriously. My my wife and I and the kids would, every Thanksgiving, we would, you know, go to Florida. Yeah. We haven't done it in years, but um, when they were younger, we would go to Florida every Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Trey, I would go down to Florida and sometimes people, I would let people know I was in town and I'm preaching on Sunday. Mm. But never tell y'all, right? You know, because um, right. thank God it wasn't a pandemic and a lot of people weren't on social media at the time. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah. a couple calls been made real right. quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, and, and I felt obligated to do it. That's mm. that's that's the crazy part. Mm. I felt like this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So you have to do. It. I have to go. And then I found this little small church in Groveland, Florida, mm-hmm. and very small church, but very charismatic church a church I felt at home it reminded me a lot of Oxford and I'll never forget I went there one particular Sunday because I, I didn't tell anybody I was in town my wife promised me not to tell anybody yeah and um, I went out there man and just sat in service mm-hmm. you know no preaching nobody knew who I was right. when they asked for visitors to stand we all stood up and I just said hey I'm Dwayne Fields no pastor Reverend. no pastor man you know how refreshing that was yeah I didn't even realize it yeah. I just thought I had this is who I am I gotta do it it's right. Sunday. Right. You so know? removing that title, going back to the this, this series of more than my credentials, being human and existing with that, like being the pastor, the shepherd of the flock, but understanding that there are different pieces of yourself that are there. Like God called you to also do these things too. Husband, father, you know, community member. Mm-hmm. He gave us these gifts and talents for a reason, you know? So yeah, I, I wow. Yeah. So it, it sounds like that separation is needed. And I think, you know, even with my talking to my colleagues about this, you know, this series as well, in regards to how we separate from our credentials, separate from this LCSW, separate from this master's level and thinking that the world revolves just around that work. But then everything else suffers personally, family, friends, stuff like that. So um, it's, it's interesting how they parallel. It is. You know, what's interesting is before you, you got your latest credential, you would always talk about it. Yeah. You were consumed with it. Yes, absolutely. And now that you got it, I don't hate using it much anymore. But that's the separation. Yeah, it's separation. Because, that's you know, I, I just, one interview earlier we had today, when I was talking to one of my guys about it. And, you know, we talked about getting to this credentialing piece, understanding that I was put all this work into it to get it. And then once you get this, like, what's next? What happens? Like, 
I thought that these other expectations, these things were going to happen as a result of it, and it didn't. So then I like, I really put in all that stress, all that work for the past year and a half to just say, I got a piece of paper that says pass. And now I got more responsibility right. now with the licensure. That's it. Because to whom much is given, much is required, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting you brought it up. Because like I said, I, you're right. Because even in this series, it's, it's also been me exploring myself outside of these credentials and outside of that work. Because I feel as though, you know, I don't think we are... Um, I don't know if we are supposed to be carrying so much weight and pain of others every single day. I, I, I don't, we're not Jesus, you know? So um, we have our assigned lanes and roles in this life and, you know, God gives us that you know, assignments, but to carry so much burdens in that is not for us to do. Absolutely not. It's not our burden, you know? Absolutely not. So, but, it's who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's who we are. But going back to what you said, we just got to figure out a way to manage it. Yeah. And I think that's that's where we, we, we struggle the most. Right. We're not meant to carry it. Let's mm-hmm. be really technical. Spiritually, we ain't meant to carry our own burdens. At, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's an old song that said, this probably before your time, even though you're an old school quartet guy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but but it was take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Mm-hmm. You know God. You know Peter said if you cast your cares when he you know he'll he'll sustain you. Yeah. Uh, because he cares for you. Right. You know and and God wants to take our burdens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a tendency to say okay God here it is just let me take a couple of them back with me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know we we just got to figure that out, including myself. I ain't just holding my journal on me. Yeah. You know I. I Say it all the time, Lord. I'm leaving at your feet. Mm-hmm. Let me just take a couple pieces with me, just in case. Just you know? in case, yeah. Um, and, and we we have to do a, a better job of, like you said, not carrying that burden. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's who we are. Mm-hmm. We're flawed individuals and flawed human beings. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, man. Well, this has been amazing. This has been a great conversation. Um, and I appreciate this dialogue. Um, now can I say one, one more thing before I leave in, in closing? If you really want to get help, Trey, with your issues and stuff, um, I would leave that team in Dallas alone. <laughs> I would leave that team in Chapel Hill alone. I'm just I'm trying to help you out. Oh my goodness! I, I would leave that to, team in LA alone. You know I, was what I'm to, I was going to ask you your top five, but now I don't want to ask. Who's your top five favorite athletes, basketball athletes? Oh, you want me to give it to you? Yeah, go ahead. Patrick Ewing. Pat. Bernard King. Okay, I can say Bernard King. Patrick Ewing, Bernard King, uh-huh. Carmelo Anthony. You got Melo in your top five? Anybody who donned a Knicks uniform. <laughs> oh, no, Knicks player. That's it. There's, there's no other, there's no other teams out there. It's just one team in the Oh, league. my gosh. No, but a real like basketball top five. Yeah. Much as I hate to say it as a Knicks fan, you got to give it to MJ. Yeah. Um, he burnt y'all up. That's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. God rest his soul. I'm going to Kobe. Okay. And I know you love that. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, n- number three, number three, um, you know, to the king, LeBron. You okay. know, and I'm not a LeBron fan. That's humbling. It, it is. It's really humbling <laughs> for me, especially you sitting um, under that poster with LeBron. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I, yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> uh, no, number four uh, for me, and and again, I'm I'm I gotta go old school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people may not agree with what I'm getting ready to say. 
but for me, uh, the num- number four is is um Will. Okay, I'm a big Will fan, man. Big Will fan. Okay, uh, and number five, uh, only because I live in VA now, and I just think he he doesn't get the kudos he deserves. Mm-hmm. But AI. Yes, I was going to ask you. AI. I, I was going to ask you. That's my guy, man. That's my. Who's guy. actually related to my wife, by the way. Really? Yeah, but we'll get into that another time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did yeah. you play against him? No, 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 no. I'm a lot older than AI, <laughs> to be honest with Is you. No. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. I, I'm a lot older than AI. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Again, I look young. Don't be. Don't let the gray beard and the the, 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 the thinning hair fool you. <laughs> no, you look good. You look good. You look good. You look good for your age. You look good. But no, nah, I, I, you know, I, you know, I played obviously in, in New York. I played at Rucker Park once or twice and some other things. And so I was able to see a lot of, yeah, you know, um, ball players come through, man. But AI just had the heart of a champion. Yeah, I, it's just unfortunate. I think you know, I wish he'd have been in a situation where he could have. Want a ring or two? Yeah. Well, he put himself in that situation. He, he did. did. He, he did. You know. I think he woke up the beast when he did that. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just what what beast in L.A. Okay, okay. Kobe, you go there. Yeah, Kobe and Shaq, man. But I, I think um, I don't even remember nothing about that series except the step over of AI. But we'll leave that there. But that's what I'm saying. That's, uh, oh, I mean, okay. I remember watching that series as an AI fan. I was like, oh, this is this. He killed them. And the next thing I know, I was like, oh my gosh, even yeah. <laughs> that that kind of reminds me of of the year. Um, uh, the Knicks and the Bulls are playing the Eastern Conference Finals, uh-huh. and John Starks goes and makes his left-handed dunk on, oh, on, yeah. on, oh, on the, all the all the back. Yeah, 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 you know. And then he gets up in, in Mike's face. I'm like, don't, do, don't stop, do stop, it. <laughs> stop. And I remember, yeah. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? You yep. know. And that was it. You and know, Mike went on the third. Did, did he? Did he <laughs> go on one? He didn't need nothing, but he just needed like a yeah, reason. Yeah, like, yeah, you know. yeah. So I, you know, yeah, that's and um. I'm, yeah, I, and for me, you know, if I could kind of have a 5A for me, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big Dr. J fan. Yeah, okay. I'm okay. not saying he was a great all-around athlete, but but Doc brought something to the game. That, Doc transitioned the game, I think. And, you know, Elgin Baylor was, right. Doc, was Doc's role model. You know, Doc, right. in his, one of his um, um, autobiographies, Doc talked about how Elgin kind of played this role in his life mm-hmm. in basketball, you know. And Elgin Bell is from Carolina. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. He's second is. cousins with my grandfather. Yeah, he has yeah. roots down here. Mm-hmm. My, my grandfather's second cousin. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. His brothers used to come down family reunions. Elgin never came, but his brothers would come. But he would always come down in the summertime yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. They, my dad put me on Dr. J growing up. Like, so I had to go through that period of where I had to understand his his world first to get to get to my era and yeah. stuff like that. So. Yeah. You know, it was I, a process. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, Mike I, just didn't become Mike. Nah, nah, <laughs> no, nah. nah. You got to understand, Doctor J. There you go, George Gerber. Yeah, Iceman. Yeah, yeah Iceman. All that Absolutely. man, Magic, and he he gonna he gonna go Magic all the way. Dwayne time, Fields, man. go ahead. Yeah, okay. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. But I'm I'm gonna tell you, man. You know, I love AI. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, man. I yeah. just love his heart, his tenacity, man. Mm-hmm. It's just. He was six one, six feet at best, six maybe, feet at maybe best. five five eleven. Right, you know? but his heart, man, was just yeah the biggest heart I've ever seen in sports. Yeah, to be honest with you, man. Somebody said if he was six six, it'd be a whole different story. Oh, we, there'd, there'd be yeah, yeah. The whole list would have changed. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, but um, as we end, like I said, I like to give people their flowers, and of course, we always talk, and you know, I said you're like a spiritual dad to me in my past, of course. But I just said, you know, as I said earlier, like I want I appreciate 
who you are and your genuineness and your 100 percent authenticity um not just in the ministry and as a pastor but as a man as well um and you just taught me a lot since i came to oxford and then our relationship after church and stuff like that um has really shaped me and me and my family for who we who you um who i am and stuff like that so um i just appreciate your, your candid moments, our jokes, and our opportunities to, you know, have these type of conversations, these raw dialogue, because I think not just us as in the faith, but just us as men, uh-huh. you know, just us as men breaking down that actual wall and communicating our emotions and our feelings and that, and that the hopes that that creates that bond for us. I don't want to cut you over. That's enough about me. <laughs> I want to thank God for you. Yeah. You are an amazing young gift to, to not just our church, but to this county. Mm-hmm. to this commonwealth man and um you and i just clicked it, yeah, it was we just did. something yeah. that um it was just something I, I can't put my finger on it um it was just obviously it ain't sports your team's just flowing <laughs> but it was just something about you man that yeah. that just did it for me mm-hmm. um Same. and Same. and uh i'm so grateful to have you in my life as a mentor to my kids mm-hmm. you, you're a mentor to my son Mm-hmm. Your niece is a mentor to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they relate on that PK level. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, she yeah. looks out for my daughter, you know. And, uh, you know, so I just want to thank God. Your daughter's beautiful. But enough about you. You have an amazing wife. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Niecy's amazing, man. And she's kind of stuck under my wife. And mm-hmm. just the relationships are just real. I, I tell folk all the time. I'm done with this. I tell folk all the time. <laughs> Pass it on like getting, getting his props. Yeah, man. nah, that's not important. <laughs> I, I tell you all the time. That that you know, I don't believe in clicks, but but every pastor that's going to be successful mm-hmm. has got to have authentic relationships with people in the church. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. if you're going to be successful, uh, because you got to learn how to trust people. Yeah, it's a lot of things you have to do. Um, and my response is always this: Jesus had twelve. True. He loved everybody, but he had twelve. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of them even stabbed him in the back, but he had twelve. Right. right. But he had twelve, and so. Uh, I'm grateful to say, Trey, you and Shanice are in my 12. Mm, thank you. Not, I'm not equating myself to Jesus. I'm just right. talking about the, the leader module that he gave us. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I are just so grateful that you're in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I think maybe I might go back and get my uh, uh, clinical stuff too because as much as you didn't settle my couch in the church, yeah. I, I had to get a new couch. I was about to come from that too long ago. <laughs> Let me tell you about something real quick. <laughs> But man, I love yeah. you, man, and uh, you're doing you great too. things, man. I pray that those listening, man, that you support this guy's yeah. podcast, man. And um, he's he doesn't know it though, but he's getting ready to come on on my show. Um, I survived the storm. Oh, our virtual tour that we're getting ready to have um, because this mental health piece has got to be talked about. Yeah, early. Yeah, early, early in in our show's release. This mm-hmm. has got to be talked about. Yeah. Oh, this is a good promo for you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't know when, when we're not close to release date yet. Mm-hmm. But this is how important this piece is. Yeah, to me, this is this is this is how important it is. Absolutely, no, I, and I agree, and that's why I wanted to bring you on and have you come on and stuff like that. So, because of your wealth of knowledge, but just your openness. I say all the time, I'm, I may die in the pulpit, but I ain't gonna die from the pulpit. Mm. Absolutely, I'll make sure of it that you won't.
I, I know y'all will. <laughs> Cut you off right there. <laughs> but uh, man, Pastor Fizz, we thank you for coming on, man. My pastor and you know my spiritual father and my, and my guy, man. Just for him coming on Everybody Relax podcast. I hope that this episode was um, a blessing to you. I hope that you know from an administrative church leader standpoint that it was eye opening, and even that you may be having some concerns about the church as well. You know, in in in, in ministry or just attending that this is also helpful that you know pastors are out there that are open and willing to engage around these conversations we appreciate you until next time we'll see y'all next time